0: listening to the Red Seat Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Network. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. It's gone. It's in the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. And featuring Keaton Derosier. It's a grand slam. I've done. I think we're calling the Untitled Over the Monster Red Sox Podcast. I guess we still don't have a name. I thought I was going to come up with a name right there. I did not. Um, I think that's going to be the bit, is that we're just going to call it something different every week. Probably not great for SEO, but we're going to roll with it. But uh, anyways, it is me, Matt Collins, back for another week with Jake Devereaux. Uh, Jake, how are we doing after a awful, awful weekend in the Bronx.
1: Ah, man. Um, You know, the Sunday night game, I had a lot of hope. I was talking to Keaton about this yesterday on the Red Seat podcast, and uh, that was a particularly tough loss because there were a lot of really good things that happened in that game that got me pumped up. The two bogey home runs, um, the crack of the bat when Devers hit that one out was pretty glorious. The defensive plays that were kind of Devers playing out of his dome and what we want to see from him all the time um, so to end that with another loss was pretty soul crushing and also Matt Faskersian like chill oh, the fuck out god, Yeah. <laughs> oh yes. my god that was like the first to Aaron Judge home
0: run was one of the most embarrassing things I've ever heard and I'm not somebody I seem to be in the minority like with Red Sox fans I don't think like there's some huge Yankee bias conspiracy at ESPN or anything like that but that home run call was just out of control.
1: Did you hear him yell Santa Maria? What does that even mean? I, I have
0: no idea what was going on there. He just totally, totally lost his mind, and it was just <laughs> so ridiculous.
1: It's like he was naming Christopher Columbus <laughs> yeah, ships. Yeah, I
0: don't, I don't understand the significance of that at all. Maybe, I, maybe there is some significance that I'm missing, but yeah, I have no idea. And then uh, A-Rod calling... Uh, shallow the best defensive third baseman in the American Ugh. League, when Matt Chapman yeah. exists, was insane. <laughs> like that whole broadcast was out of control.
1: Well, that was like John Heyman on Twitter calling uh, some Clayton Kershaw the best pitcher since Sandy Koufax. Like That's... Pedro Martinez didn't exist, yeah, did. or Randy Johnson, or Roger Clemens, or you know any of the pitchers to that, be are fair, that are better than Sandy Koufax. Dennis Eckersley
0: did call. Uh... Christian is the best catcher in baseball, not too long ago. So it's not like the Red well, Sox I mean, announcers are immune to these things either. But. Let's be honest, that's pretty accurate <laughs> these days. <laughs> I would like to say that's true, but it's not.
1: <laughs> well, Keaton and I did do an exercise, and we figured out that he is squarely a top five catcher in the league. Right yeah,
0: now. I would agree with that. I think there's three that I would definitely take above him, and then after that there's kind of a group where you can put him in.
1: Yeah. Put him as high as fourth, I think. He's definitely ahead of Gary Sanchez, I'll tell you that. Right now, for sure. Yeah, it, well, Gary has to play both sides of the ball, so you know that's not never going to help his situation.
0: Yeah, well, this isn't the Gary Sanchez. I have some thoughts on Gary Sanchez, but we'll save it for the Gary Sanchez pod. Um, <laughs> okay, but I guess, I know you guys talked a lot about the lineup and stuff like that, so I didn't want to re-go over all of that. So I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about the bullpen today. Uh, Red Sox bullpen, I thought had been worse. Than it is. Um, it's been. If you look at like the park adjusted stats, it's actually been kind of close to the middle of the pack. They're twelfth in both ERA minus and fit minus, so obviously not where you want to be. Uh, but also, I thought they would have been worse. Uh, but they've definitely had some good performances, some bad performances. Obviously, the Matt Barnes last we saw of them, bottom of the eighth, uh, that was just about as bad as it gets. But um, good news is Josh Taylor and Darwins and Hernandez are making their way back. They obviously missed the start of the year after testing positive for uh, COVID-19, so they are working down in Pawtucket. It seems like they should both be back relatively soon. I think Taylor, I don't, like, I don't think they've said anything, but it sounds like he could be back this weekend, um, and I don't know that Hernandez would be that far behind um so I guess how big of an impact are you expecting from them right away do you think they're going to be kind of eased into it or I mean coming into the year before they had their issues um they were kind of both seen as two of the top four or five arms in the bullpen do you think they're going to take that role right away or do you gonna do you think they're gonna ease into it
1: I think they're gonna take that role pretty much right off the bat um it wouldn't surprise me if We continue to see a reliance on Heath Hembree and Phillips Valdez and and Matt Barnes and some of those guys. Colton Brewer also got a lot of innings already. Um, But just the impact of having Darwins and Hernandez come in uh, and and Josh Taylor to take the spots, I assume they will kick uh, Jeffrey Springs and Matt Hall off the roster. Thank God, Um, hopefully, those two guys get out of there because they've been god-awful. Um, But just having those two as the addition, all of a sudden you're talking about the worst members of your bullpen being, you know, Osage or Bryce or Brazier, uh, and that's a lot better than, you know, uh, what they're dealing with now in in a few guys with with Springs and Hall that, you know, and Bryce too, I guess, that just don't look like they even belong in the big leagues. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think the biggest weakness, I mean, obviously some guys have
0: been bad from both. Handedness, but just looking at this roster on paper, the bullpen, they don't really have any lefties right now that you feel good about. I mean, Osage can be okay, but he's not really somebody that you feel great about. Um, And so having both of these guys come from the left side and they both can be dynamic, kind of game changing relievers, I think is huge. Um, Who, I guess, who are you more excited to see? Or who you think is going to help the team?
1: Should ask. Uh, I think Taylor is going to help the uh, team more. Um, I'm more excited to watch in Hernandez. Yeah, that's um, why I changed just the because question. His stuff is electric, but uh, Taylor is the guy who was clearly the more impressive of the two pitchers last year, um, and was one of the biggest surprises. And we talked about him a lot last year, and um, I'm just kind of looking for him to continue that. And it didn't seem fluky to me either. There was nothing weird about what he did, so I expect him to come in and kind of be that same guy again. Yeah, he was... I don't think think people
0: understand how good he was last season because so much of his time came later in the year. Um, He didn't start the season with the team, obviously, in the majors, so he came up later, and then he kind of had to fight his way into the later innings, and once he kind of grabbed hold of that role, the season was kind of over people had already kind of checked out of the season which was totally understandable the way that year went but i think a lot of people missed just how good he was and you're right nothing was really fluky there wasn't like there wasn't one portion of his game where he just totally dominated and you're like there's no way he's going to do that again he was just like pretty solidly above average at everything and so that makes me feel very very good and I mean even just watching him that slider as long as he's still got that slider um, I can't imagine he's going to take that big of a step back so yeah I mean I think I wouldn't be totally totally surprised if he ends up as the number two in this bullpen next to Workman by the time this is all said and done.
1: Yeah it wouldn't surprise me either um, and, and the thing that I really love about his addition is that he can face both righties and lefties oh, for sure. uh, as a lefty and um he brings a different look because this bullpen has a lot of guys who throw kind of soft, a lot of breaking stuff, a lot of curve balls, and him coming in with a power fastball and a slider, um, kind of giving you a left handed version of what Heath Henry can do, except even better more than what Heath Henry can do. Yeah, um, that is just a weapon that Ron Roennecke really needs right now, um, and something that's going to keep hitters off balance a little bit more because there's just so many soft tossers in the rotation and in that bullpen right now so it's it's kind of nice to have that change up there
0: yeah for sure Hernandez kind of fits that profile too just a little more erratic but definitely has that kind of power stuff rather than the curveball fastball which to be fair I love I like like watching a curveball more than a slider personally but yeah as far as how it fits with this roster they're definitely kind of missing that guy um,
1: Too many Yak men, as Yaz as, <laughs> as would, uh, would say. Yeah, that's, yeah. A,
0: yeah, that's a work class <laughs> nickname for him. Um, <laughs> so, who, when these guys do get back, whose role do you think is going to be altered the most, if anybody?
1: Well, I mean, they got to stop going to Brace like every, every time they go to the bullpen. Um, the reliance on him has been kind of extreme. Uh, so I think that his role should change. Uh, he, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's moved off the roster as well in favor of somebody who's, who they haven't really seen in the player pool. Um, I also have kind of seen enough of Brazier in important situations. Uh, not that he's pitched in a ton of those, but when he has pitched, he hasn't really looked very good. Um, I'm kind of ready to pull the plug on the Brazier experiment here. He hasn't looked consistent since really the first year that he came up and looked great. I think that was, what, 2018? Yeah. Because um, he had a rough 2019. Um. But I don't think the other usage patterns are going to change that much. I think we're going to continue to see a lot of Barnes, a lot of Henry, a lot of Valdez, and Colton Brewer uh, seems to be kind of a favorite. But it does seem like... We, we had talked about this before this season that Marcus Walden is one of the best options that they have in this bullpen. We both agreed on that. But so far, they have been using him basically only in a multi-inning relief role. And I am kind of thinking that he's going to be kind of replacing Springs and Hall in that long relief role for this team. I hope not. Um, I don't think you're necessarily wrong
0: but I, that's not really what I want to see from him. I like him sort of as the fireman. I like him coming in if you get guys on base and you need ground ball, some sort of weak contact. Um, that's where I would prefer him, but yeah, it seems it does seem like they need him or they prefer him in those multi, multi-inning roles. He has, he's pitched three times. Two of them have been two winnings. Um, one of them was one inning. He faced five batters. I think I don't have his pitch count in front of me, but I think he threw a lot of pitches in that Mets outing. So I think they probably would have pitched him for a second inning. Um, but yeah, so that makes sense. I think, I think you're right about Bryce and Brazier, which kind of bums me out because I was Bryce was the guy that I was most excited about as far as those like the million additions that. Um, Bloom made before the season off waivers and all that. He was the one I was most excited about, but yeah, he's just given up a ton of hard contact. Um, Brazier has only pitched twice, so I don't really want to totally pull the plug on him, but yeah, he definitely has an impressed me. I think Hembry if they continue to use an opener, or if they even just start using a traditional opener, I think Hembry should move to that role once these guys get there, and you don't really need that other right-handed latening arm um, because Hemery is just so so as as platoon reliant as it gets for right-hand relievers in this bullpen. I mean, he's just mm-hmm. not good against lefties. He's very good against righties. So if you're using an opener and you have a lineup like the Yankees or another lineup where it's four of the top five batters or whatever are righties. Uh, I would love to see Henry just get the ball for the first inning or inning in two-thirds or whatever. Um, I don't know if they're actually going to do that, but I would hope they at least consider it.
1: Yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense. Um, And I would like to see that. I just don't know, based on Reneke's usage patterns right now, if that's something they'd consider. The other guy who I just want to mention for that role is, I think that Phillips Valdez is... um, combination of fastball and uh change-up would be interesting in that role as well and i think he because they have been doing the bullpen game thing i think he could go multi-innings as well
0: oh he definitely could i mean he's been a starter for um chunks of his career and he's been the last few years he's kind of been a swingman down down the minors so yeah i could definitely see him doing that as well um I guess I what that. are your
1: thoughts on him, by the way? I haven't really gotten your impression about Phillips Valdez. I've been impressed. I'm kind of
0: trying to see a little bit more before I kind of go all in on it. Um, yeah. But, I mean, there's been nothing to complain about, for sure. He's been extremely impressive every time he's pitched. Um, I don't really understand because he's, like, the skinniest person I've seen since Casey Fossum. But he's, he gets it done. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I was just telling uh, Keaton this on the podcast, but one of his relatives like tweeted at me when I said that he should eat more food that he like consistently tries to gain weight. Oh, that doesn't
0: surprise me. I think that's the case yeah. for most. Um, I mean, we've seen some skinny, skinny players, and that's a, kind of the common thing, is that they are desperately trying to put on more masks. Some people just can't.
1: <laughs> yeah, I nice. wish I had that issue. Yeah, it must be nice. <laughs> that, is, that
0: does not describe me, but... There are no. people for whom that is true. Yeah. Um, Wonderful. So I want to go back to Darwin Hernandez for a second. Um, they've been talking basically since last year ended that they aren't shutting the door on making him a starter. They've mentioned recently that they might try and stretch him out to get him back into the rotation uh, by the end of this year. Um, what do you think about that? You forward against it?
1: I'm completely against it. Um, I, I We've seen a lot of Darwins and Hernandez in the minor leagues as a starter. It wasn't horrible, but he just doesn't seem to have the command for it. Um, I think it's going to be a project if they do it. There's no guarantee that it works. Um, and then that's time that's taken away from him developing as a reliever. And there's like I think people take for granted sometimes that a guy can just switch a role and flip a switch and and be effective but there's a mentality switch to going from being a starter to being in the bullpen you know you have to do a lot more of controlling base runners and coming in in different situations um and you know throwing all out with your stuff for for you know a couple innings at a time or or less um so to me i think those reps would be much more beneficial to him refining his skills as a reliever rather than this experiment Uh, with him being a starter, which ultimately I I have trouble uh, believing that it's going to work out in the long run.
0: Yeah, I was kind of hoping you were going to go the other way on that so we wouldn't agree, but um, I mean, I'm with you. I I don't see him sticking as a starter. That control just isn't there for him to pitch more than two innings at a time and I think he does have that kind of dynamic stuff that can be extremely valuable out of the bullpen, as in like closer, as in I don't want to say he's going to be this, but it's not out of the realm of possibility that this guy's like a top 10 to 15 type reliever in baseball. But like you said, it's not so easy. as just throwing him out there and then making it, and just assuming it's going to happen. There's work that goes into that. And I think that's especially true for somebody like him who um, has the big stuff but doesn't have the control. And there's a different, I mean, you alluded to this, you throw differently in the bullpen. You're throwing more all out in that, Takes, I mean, that's harder on the control, and you can afford to have a few more walks in the bullpen, but he still needs to figure out how to make his control get to an acceptable level while he's going all out with that fastball slider. So I want all of his development energy to be directed towards him being that lean-inning guy. I don't even want him as an opener. Um, I think that could make sense in certain matchups, but I think just looking at him long-term, I want every... I want him getting every type of mid-game um, experience. So I want him coming in with runners on base. I want him coming in in the middle of innings. I want him starting innings. I want him facing all righties. I want him facing all lefties. I just want to get him used to every kind of relief role, because I think he has the potential to be special there. He just hasn't gotten it yet.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with everything he said. so We're completely on the same page with him, and I agree that the potential there is for, you know, a top. I don't know. I want I mean, to even, say even like an Andrew Miller light.
0: Yeah, you know? I mean, you don't even have to put a number on Just like an elite reliever in this league. Yeah. Whatever you want it to define that as.
1: In in an elite multi inning guy, I, he strikes me as an elite fireman type guy. Uh, yeah. In his future. I don't think
0: I I wouldn't say he's as good. He will be as good as Josh Hader because Josh Hader has arguably been like the best relief best reliever in baseball. But like that kind of role where you can be a dominant lead and a guy who also records more than three outs at a time. Yeah. Um, so I guess last thing on the bullpen before we move on, um, who have you been most impressed by and who have you been most disappointed by?
1: Um, In the bullpen, I would say I've been most well, impressed with... Okay, this is going to be a weird one. I think. I've think i been really impressed by Workman's uh, ability to stay with his stuff. Um, he had two really rocky closing situations where he didn't have his command. He threw too many curveballs. And I talked about this on the Red Seat yesterday, but I've been most impressed by his ability to stick with his game plan and just also kind of his mentality that, you know, He's going to continue to throw curveballs in basically any count, um, even if his fastball command isn't quite there. And his ability to mix up that cutter has been in- incredibly impressive to me. And just the fact that he's stuck with it, um, that's what the best closers do. You know, they don't always get the cleanest of innings, but they got out those closing situations. Um, and I think he's been able to do that. Uh, on the flip side, I've been, like, very impressed with uh, – Hembree and, and Valdez as kind of surprises who I wasn't expecting too much from What about disappointed? Disappointed um, definitely Bryce I'm like with you I, I was uh, he was the guy I was most excited about of the new additions uh, and I just don't see it with him, I, I don't think his stuff is very good and he's got a weird arm slot that I think it looks like batters can pick it up pretty well uh, at first, I thought there was going to be some more deception to it, but it does. It seems like people are seeing the ball very well out of his hands, so I think that is uh, definitely the most disappointing guy to me. I wasn't expecting anything from Hall and Springs, so uh, it sounds like Hall and Oats, but uh, <laughs> like talking about a bit. even worse than uh, Hall and Oats, way worse than Hall and Oats. Um, so, yeah, that's that's basically where I'm at with those guys. I saw one half of Hall and Oats in concert. I forget which half it was. It's
0: pretty good. They opened nice, for the Abbott yeah. Brothers.
1: It's uh, it's it's nice, easy listening. It was.
0: It was in a park. It was a nice day. Um, there you go. So I guess I would go.
1: I'll start most disappointing.
0: I'm um, surprised you didn't say him. Matt Barnes has been garbage.
1: Um, He's terrible. I wanted you to. I yeah, wanted to give
0: you. I that. I love Matt Barnes. I have not given up on Matt Barnes. Um, I think the stuff is still there. Some people have pointed to velocity being down. It's really not down that much. Um, it's not like. James Paxton where it's down four miles an hour and I'm concerned that he's hurt. It's down like a mile an hour on the fastball. I don't think that's his issue. I mean I wrote about it a little bit on Tuesday. Um, He's throwing everything to uh, the arm side, to the right side, or inside part of the plate to righties and it's just everybody is just focusing on one half of the zone and he's just getting destroyed. Um, He's not getting the swings below the zone there that you want to see. He needs to get Swings below the zone with that curveball. If he's not, he's useless. So, um, like I said, I'm totally not giving up. I think, I mean, he's been too good for the last few years for me to give up on him now, but he has been awful through four innings. There's really no way to sugarcoat anything he's done. And that pitch to Aaron Judge for that home run was one of the worst pitches I have ever seen in my life. Um, You fall behind 2 0 to Aaron Judge the way he's swinging right now, you just walk him. You do not throw him a strike, and then he drops. Obviously, he wasn't trying to throw it there. He drops a curveball right into the wheelhouse. That was. I made a pretty disgusting noise as soon (laughs) as that pitch. Like, before he. Like, as soon as he started swinging at that pitch, it was like, oh, this is the worst. Um, So that sucked. As far as um, encouraged by or surprised by or whatever, I don't remember the word that I used, but um, I guess I would go Hembry. I've been pretty hard on hembry since late last season and through the offseason into this restart kind of portion through camp. I didn't think he should make the roster. I thought he would but I thought that would be a mistake. But um, yeah, he's been good. There's really... It's really hard to complain about too much of what he's done. Um, I will say that there is a portion basically every season where I get sucked into Heath hembry and I've told myself this year, I'm not going to do it, but uh, I'm kind of starting to get sucked in again, so um, I'm assuming as soon as I go all in, he'll allow like four home runs and two outings or something like that, but so far, he's been very, very good.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, I want to get back to Barnes, though, and the fastball velocity for a second, so uh, when I was talking to Keaton about this on the podcast, um, one of the things I mentioned is like right now is pretty much the equivalent of April for for pitchers, you know, they're kind of starting again. I
0: wouldn't even compare it to April. Like this is like nothing we've seen.
1: Sure, but even if we do compare it to April, um just for the sake of like starting up from scratch again for these guys cuz they all had very wildly different programs. Like Max Scherzer was throwing the live batters, but some guys didn't even pick up ball. Yeah. But uh Matt Barnes over the course of his career, um before this, he's had one two three four five of his six professional seasons before this year he's, his fastball velocity on his four seamer uh has been 95 miles an hour just like it is right now on average uh, during the month of april so it's not uncommon for him to start there and work up to 96 97 as the months go on yeah yeah that makes sense so I'm not worried about him at all from a fastball standpoint. I'm more worried about the fact that he doesn't trust his fastball. He doesn't seem to have great fastball command right now, and he's way over really reliant on the curveball. Yeah,
0: definitely. He's, he definitely doesn't feel the fastball. And as much as he's – his curveball is his best pitch. That's his bread and butter. But if he's not feeling the fastball, then, yeah, things, things can get dicey very quickly. I thought he had pretty much the perfect mix – last year it needs to be pretty much 50 50 between these two and right now it's closer to 60 40 um,
1: yeah and workman's mix is pretty pretty slanted as well. workman I
0: love I love everything but the way workman pitches Don't
1: he's great don't change a thing
0: Brandon Workman. Um, the,
1: the cutter usage the the random cutter that yeah. he throws in there every once in a while throw people off is like one of my favorite things yeah that's
0: a nice that's a nice touch Matt Barnes has that I wish he would I wish his splitter was a little bit better so he could throw that a little bit more often. Um, oh, man, splitters love love the pitch. Splitters are great. A little bit of semi-breaking news um, on Twitter right now. Uh, nothing really to say about this. We don't really have a ton of information, but Carlos Fables, uh Red Sox third base coach, had an inconclusive COVID test in New York, so he is hmm. not with the team. Obviously, that is something to watch hopefully he is okay hopefully this is not obviously something that spreads um but right now it doesn't seem like that is the case but that is, that just came on twitter um, as we were talking so figured i would throw that out there um other news thursday is supposed to as of now be the deadline for teams to cut their rosters down from 30 to twenty-eight. Uh, there's a chance that's going to get changed. Uh, the league and the players are negotiating to keep it at 30 for the foreseeable future. Seems most likely to me that that's what's going to happen. It would seem weird that they were going that they're going to implement seven inning double headers to protect pitchers, but be unwilling to just keep two extra players on the roster. So I'm assuming they're going to keep it at 30. But as of now, they do have to cut the rosters to 28 at 30. So if that is the case, who are the two that you think we could cut?
1: Well, if we're kind of assuming that they want to keep the a consistent number of bullpen arms, so if we're assuming like Holland Springs gets sent down for the activation of Darwinson and Taylor, I would expect it to be maybe Brazier and Sue Lin being waived. Interesting. Yeah, and the reason why I say Sue is because they have other options in the minor leagues who can come in and kind of fill that type of role. His outfield flexibility is less important now that they have Kevin Pilar there. Um, and Peraza. And, and, and also they want to keep Jonathan Arreos on the roster um, because they don't want to return him. Uh, because Rule 5 selection. Um, and then the other piece is like, there's a good chance that he won't even get claimed. Um, He may get claimed, but I think they'd be kind of okay with that if it happened. Yeah. And I don't see them wanting to to take more than one uh, arm out of the bullpen because their starters are so bad.
0: Yeah, I think you're right.
1: Um, I don't know. I don't
0: think it would be Brazier. Um, I think it would be – yeah, so we say Springs and – Hall for um, Hernandez and Taylor. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Osich would be the other guy. Um, He has an option, and they get these two lefties, and also Hernandez can kind of be the long arm to counter losing Hall. Um, So, I mean, I think it would be between Osich, Brazier, maybe Bryce. Um, Those kind of seem like the three most obvious. Maybe Chris Mazza, too, could be in that mix, although I think they would want to keep one of Mazza and Hall just as um, sort of a long guy, especially since they don't have a fifth starter right now. Um, But I think it would be Osage just because with those two lefties, I don't know how much you need Osage right now. And I think, for better or for worse, I think they do like crying pressure. Hmm.
1: Yeah, to me, it's just not very close between Osic and Brazier right now. Like you said, though, I, we've only seen him twice, so we have to give him some more time. Um, I've just been encouraged at how they wanted to use Osic, you know, kind of having him at the beginning of the game uh, as part of that kind of opener strategy. I remember they were talking about that. Yeah, um, they, they butchered the part after him. In that game. Yeah, uh, but he's actually looked okay to me so but i could see any of those three guys like you said going down yeah and like i said i don't think this is gonna
0: i am assuming they're gonna keep it at 30 anyways it would be bizarre to me um yeah if they didn't um so before we get into questions i want to do a little quick segment on prospects that are down in the alternate site um which by the way they gotta come up with a better name than alternate site just sounds horrible like x-files type language um but so Bobby Dalbeck is not at the alternate site he is with the team in Tampa he is part of the three-man taxi
1: squad um mm. so you gotta think Michael Chavis is starting to look over his shoulder a little bit right yeah that's uh we we talked about the fact that I we think he's got one more week of rope and if he continues not to hit for a week I think it's Dahlbeck time
0: yeah I wouldn't be surprised by that um, he has been I mean obviously one of he's not the only guy not hitting but he has been the worst of Red Sox hitters who have gotten any sort of regular playing time he's just a little bit worse than Alex Verdugo. who I believe is second worst um, by WRC. is yeah, yeah. up there. Peraza and Ben and Javis they're all kind of in that group but all of those other guys seem safe um, and especially since you have at least one of Lynn and Arauz, and probably two, um, because the Peraza question is part of this too, since Michael Chavis can also play second. But you get those guys if you really need somebody to get in at second base. So, yeah, I would say a week probably sounds right. They play the Rays again um, starting next Monday. So if Javis has a few bad games here this week, um, which, by the way, just as a quick aside, how do the Red Sox have two days off in one week? You get six days off all season and a third of them are coming in one week. It makes no sense.
1: Well, we, as we know, the uh, way that the schedule has been handled by the league is brilliant. Yeah. So <laughs> it's just so bizarre. It's just par for the course. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. So we
0: agree on Chavis. So then, uh, I want to talk a little bit about, there are three pitching prospects or pitching minor league guys. Prospect might be a little bit strong for one of these guys. Um, but guys that I think could potentially be up this year, uh, Tanner Oak, Brian Mata, Kyle Hart, uh,
1: what order do you think we'll see them in? I knew you were throwing shade at Kyle Hart there with that not quite a prospect comment. He's not, I love Kyle Hart,
0: there. but he's not, he's not a
1: prospect. He's just not considered a prospect. <laughs> no, I mean, he's 27, almost 28. I think but, he's good. Uh, I, I am excited I like him.
0: about him, but yeah, he's not a prospect.
1: Prospect, I think it's...
0: I've been trying to be better about using the word prospect and subbing in minor leaguer more often mm. because prospect is a thing that yeah. we, we use that too willy-nilly.
1: Yeah. Uh, so out of that group, I actually think Kyle Hart is the most likely to get called up to make a start. Um, after him, I'd go Tanner Houck. That wasn't the question. Um, oh. Just okay. in general. Who the comes question? up in general? Not just to make a start. I think still Kyle Hart. Okay, it's it's either it's either Hart or Hauk, but I think that Hart is more interesting because he can start. Um, Hauk can start, but I don't know that he is as much of a finished product right now. I would rather see Hart because I think that he could give you what you wanted out of Ryan Weber and didn't get
0: yeah I think that's fair um, I would probably have the same order I actually think Hart could be up relatively soon um, I think it's weird that we haven't heard anything maybe it's just I haven't heard anything but about Brian Johnson um, mm. since the season started It kind of when he wasn't on the opening day roster the word pretty much was oh well he'll be up soon this is kind of just a roster thing I haven't heard anything about him but I would assume he would be the next guy to get called up. But after him, I think it goes Kyle Hart. Um, I do think Tanner Hout could be interesting, and they might be interested in him with something similar to what we've seen from like a Matt Hall, Chris Mazza, um, two or three innings at a time. Obviously, hopefully, with better results um, with respect to Hall. But because um, he definitely has his issues, he cannot really face lefties right now. And I don't know that they want to throw him up there in any role if he can't do that. But I think that's where we most likely see him. And then Mata, I don't think we see Mata until maybe there's like two weeks left in the season. Maybe we'll see him in the bullpen. I don't think he'll make a start.
1: Yeah, I'm on the same page with you about all those guys. I also don't think we're going to see any Jake Groom. No. Um, the only name that you didn't mention that I'll throw in there that I think we could see potentially is Mike Schwarn. Um, yeah,
0: he's he doesn't even register as a... Kyle Hart to me.
1: No, no, I think he's definitely less interesting. I mean, I think
0: we'll see Steven Gonzalez too. whatever that's like.
1: I think there's a non-zero chance that like, um, Heim Bloom has already made up his opinions about all of these guys, you know, or at least not all of them. Maybe not like Hauk and uh, Hart and some of the ones that we haven't seen, but like a lot of the kind of orgy guys that they have that are not really well i don't think they really have many of those anymore i think schworen's really it yeah well like Schwaren, uh gonzalves uh johnson like I, I think johnson is just definitely an org guy right yeah i i think that he he's one they might want to look at a little bit more but like i don't think that bloom wants to see johnson again he saw him when he was with that, Tampa could, Bay. I mean, that could
0: be the case for sure
1: you know like he what is what is what? What is seeing Johnson going to do for us at this point? I guess the only... We know exactly what he is. The
0: argument for Brian Johnson is um, that Matt Hall has been getting kind of the bulk innings from that fifth rotation spot, and so Brian Johnson isn't Matt Hall, I guess would be the best argument for it.
1: I guess he... Uh, if he would, my, my thing is, like, is he even better than Matt Hall? I'm not sure, you know, like... Oh, I don't know either, but I definitely don't want to see Matt Hall again.
0: And if you don't think that <laughs> Kyle Hart, if you want to give Kyle Hart a couple more runs through in Pawtucket, um, it's really either Brian Johnson or Matt Hall. And I, I just I've seen enough of Matt Hall.
1: So my my thing is like I if I was rating these guys, these guys that could come up and fill the Matt Hall role in terms of talent, um, it would not it would not have Jake or uh, Brian uh, Johnson towards the top of that list. Like, I even think Schwarn is more interesting than him. I think uh, Hauk is way more interesting. And also, Hauk is, like, he's 24 years old now. He's not that young anymore. He was drafted in 17. I think it's time to see what Hauk and Hart are at this point um, and and let those guys come up. The other guy I wouldn't be shocked to see is Robinson Lair, who throws wicked hard and is super interesting.
0: Yeah, I'm not... Not totally sold on Lair, but he seems
1: to be the guy that's gotten some helium
0: in camp, so I guess I'm willing to see it out. But I guess with respect to Johnson versus Hawk and Hart, I'm speaking in terms of like the next 10 days to two weeks rather than like rest of season. I definitely think at some point we need to see these other guys. I just don't know. Maybe, I mean, I'm, I wouldn't be upset if they decided that they wanted to give them a couple more um, outings in Pawtucket and a little bit more work with the staff there before they threw him on the mound in, in the majors.
1: Yeah, my, my question is just what's even the point of well, how comes more time?
0: work to do? I mean, he's got to figure out a way to get lefties out. They got to mess around with his pitch mix or his mechanics. I don't know what exactly they're working on, but they got to, I mean, there's, there's ongoing work there. I think with all these guys, there's work, though. For sure. But I mean, that's why you don't rush them. That's why you have Matt Halls and Mike Schwarns and Brian Johnson. So as far as Schworn versus Johnson, I guess, I mean, flip a coin, I suppose. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's so, the like, least what interesting. What I mean. a, yeah, I really don't even want to think about it, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, the only guy on – I mean, I'll watch all of them because I watch all the games. And my brain is uh, working. I'll watch – I mean, I'll watch
0: <laughs> Mike Kickham and
1: uh, yeah.
0: all the Domingo it, Tapia, who's for some reason what <laughs> I'm
1: but the only two that I'm very interested to see are, are Hart and Hulk. Yeah, for sure. Assuming
0: that uh, Mata. I'm a little bit interested in Gonsalves. I don't really know why, um, but I I really liked him before the injuries
1: took over so
0: I, He used to be a prospect, a very good prospect.
1: Yeah, um, in Minnesota, same system where uh, Maza came from, and Maza's doing okay. So Maza came from the. Mazza so. was originally drafted by Minnesota. I did not know that. Yeah. Um, I guess I'd Back in 2011. Chris Mazza story. You know, I'm just a big uh, Minnesota system history guy. I guess. You're the one. <laughs> All right, let's do some
0: listener questions before we talk too much about Mike Schorn. Um, so Zach has our first question. He says, how do we fix this pitching disaster? Oh, maybe we'll talk a more about Mike Schorn. Uh, is this a long-term thing is heim going to fix the pitcher development system or are we just going to have to buy pitching again to be competitive what percentage of these arms do we see next year or the year after he says hopefully less than 10 percent
1: yeah um kind of i think this whole reaction. year is just going to serve as an uh, audition as we've kind of talked about on here but i do think that there will be some found pitching. Um, we've already uncovered a couple interesting guys here in the early going, like the Phillips Valdezs Obviously, those aren't foundational rotation pieces, but they could be useful bullpen arms going forward that have team control. Um, I am of the opinion, and I'm going to write about this soon. I haven't even told Matt yet, but um, I'm going to write about some trade options for the Red Sox too. Um, and I think that there are a lot of guys on this roster for the Red Sox, even some starters that they should consider uh, trading for pitching because the market for signing free agents, uh, position players is a little bit better in the upcoming years than it is for pitching, in my opinion. Um, so I, I just think it would kind of behoove uh, Bloom to make some trades for pitchers because there's just not enough in the pipeline to rely on simply development.
0: Yeah, and I think that's probably the most interesting question to me with respect to Bloom is sort of the development looking long, long-term. Um, I don't know that. I don't, I don't have any reason to think that he's going to fix the development system. I mean, they've churned through different development people. They have the same development people they had. Um, so I guess, I mean, I think the big question with the Red Sox, inability to develop pitching is, has it been, poor development or has it been poor um, identifying talent and so I think that's the big question with Bloom and is he going to be able to identify better talent I think there's a good reason to believe so but I don't I mean I obviously can't say with any certainty so I don't really have an answer to that question but I think that's that to me is sort of the overarching defining question of what the Bloom era will ultimately
1: be yeah just to spend like 10 seconds on that I've been thinking about that a lot, whether or not it's been a bigger failure for them in terms of just identifying the talent, making their own draft picks or from a development standpoint. And I tend to lean slightly more in favor of they've identified the wrong guys because they've actually been able, when they get guys in their system from other places, they've been able to figure out, you know, a pitch that works better for them and, and kind of fix guys to make them more effective. Even, I think you could, Consider Erod when he got here. There was some development still ongoing with him. Oh, he was
0: like kind um, of, uh, if I remember correctly, he was sort of trending downward.
1: Yeah, they weren't letting him throw his hard changeup. Yeah. Um, and that ended up being one of his best pitches. So I think it really is a, a talent identifying thing more than development. I think it could
0: also be, and I don't know this, but I think there is some merit to the idea that there upper minors in major league staff is much better than the guys they have in the lower minors and so when you trade for mm. a guy that's coming into double a AA or AAA, they can do well but if you're trading for a guy that's in that would be in lowell or greenville or something like that they may not be as successful again i don't know that that's the case but that's sort of a theory that i have
1: Seems like a pretty easy market inefficiency to uh, replace, you know, just pay a couple guys and the low minors a little bit more. I think they've tried that. I just, I don't know.
0: There's something, I I don't know. I feel like there's got to be something contextual there, too, that I just am not thinking of. Uh, We will move on to Mike Toomey, who asks, uh, what are the chances the Red Sox move J.D. Martinez this year? Um, I'll just add on to that, just say on a scale of 1 to 10.
1: Um, I would say three. Uh, Yeah, I would probably agree.
0: I think I might go a little bit higher, like a four or a five, just because it seems like... I still don't really know that the trade market is going to be existent, but I don't know. It just seems like everybody is kind of assuming... like People that would be in the know are kind of assuming that the trade market is going to be regular, so maybe I'm wrong about this. So maybe somebody would pony up for J.D. Martinez, but... I still would probably say it's more likely than not he will be here when the season is over.
1: I will I will just say I will be equally uh, unsurprised if it's a robust trade market or if no one gets traded. I have no idea what to expect.
0: Yeah, it just doesn't seem like, I don't know, there's just, uh, everything sort of adds up. Between the morality of trading, making people pack bags and move during a pandemic, and then, teams probably not taking the season as seriously, especially now that like, teams are missing just like 10 games at a time. like It's no big deal. Um, it just seems like those two things kind of combining makes me think that there's not going to be trades, but yeah, I mean, we've never experienced this. Maybe maybe some team like the Orioles are off to a hot start. Maybe they're going to be like, maybe I'll go get a few guys to make a run because we aren't going to be able to make a run for a few years anyways. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I mean, anything special. I think that's, yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, Jason Jocks asks Are you as stoked as me about resetting the luxury tax this year? Uh, Red Sox ownership will eke out a few more points of profit while the greatest homegrown talent of our generation gets paid what he deserves by the Dodgers when we trot out the worst rotation in baseball. And a power move tagging those official team Twitter accounts in the question as well.
1: I have no comment yeah, on this. I, I
0: mean, I've said all i said about the luxury tax. I think it's not nearly as... Uh, nearly as, The penalty isn't nearly as bad as it's made out to be, but it is what it is, and I really don't want to talk about it anyway.
1: I will just say, anybody who says the Red Sox don't spend money is out of their mind.
0: They sure do spend money. They just stopped at a very strange time. Yeah. Uh, Ryan says, what trade package that... What's a trade package that you can see offered for guys like Martinez, Vasquez, and Chavis? Vasquez,
1: you know, I trade Vasquez. am gonna trade the MVP.
0: Martinez, Vasquez, and Chavis is a bizarre trio. <laughs> I don't know where that came from.
1: Um, yeah. So for Martinez, I would want like a top 100 guy back. For Vasquez, I'm not trading him because his contract's great and he's very important. Chavis. Whew, Chavis um, isn't going anywhere by himself. Yeah. I don't know. I don't even, I have no idea. I don't know how anyone looks at Chavis right now. Like if, if my team, if I wasn't a Red Sox fan and my team was looking to acquire Chavis, I'd be like, all right. Um, uh, maybe some player who's not even part of the player pool, like in low minors right now, like a J2 guy that we signed, maybe like throw him as a flyer. Um, I wouldn't feel comfortable paying for Javis. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Javis is getting traded by himself. I don't think
0: Vasquez is getting traded unless they get with just like a stupid trade offer. Um, and Martinez, yeah, I guess a top 100-ish guy. I, I think I would want a little more. I guess top 100 is kind of vague. If it's like a guy in the 90 to 100 range, I'd want more on top of yeah. that. Um, but I don't know that he would get all that much right now. Um, but yeah, I think that all sounds about right. I'm just still kind of baffled by that trio of players. I don't know where those <laughs> yeah. guys came from.
1: Well, I think Chavis and Martinez are clear trade candidates. Uh, we've been talking about Chavis being kind of a bad fit. I feel like um, Chavis isn't a trade candidate in the season. Yeah, I think that's that could be true.
0: Um, Jackson Posey asks, Boom, Robert Manfred retires from MLB to start a Beanie Baby investment firm. All right, I like it. The owners try to hire a lawyer named Jack Devereaux, but due to some comedic hijinks, Jake's get, Jake gets hired instead. What is your first move as commissioner before they realize their mistake?
1: Um, is Am I in charge of the first move, or are you the commissioner? Or no, they hired Robin? you by
0: mistake. They tried to hire Jack Devereaux, but they somehow hired you by mistake.
1: So, I'm the lawyer, and so what's no. my
0: first move? You're misunderstanding this. Jack yeah. Devereux, fictional Jack Devereux, is the lawyer. Okay. But due to comedic hijinks, you somehow got this job instead. The okay. nature of the hijinks were not disclosed here. Okay. So, your first move is commissioned. This is all on you.
1: Um. Um. Man, this is really bad. I don't know. Wow.
0: Almost worse than Manfred.
1: Yeah, I I guess uh, my first move is to cancel the season.
0: That's actually not bad. (laughs) That is not a bad decision.
1: Sorry, you know, just probably shouldn't be doing this in the first place. Um, I love baseball, guys. Don't get me wrong, but this is... uh, You've already had like 24 games canceled. It's uh, a lot. That's a good answer. I like that.
0: Uh, I would go with uh, ending blackouts, although that's not all on baseball. but
1: um, Ending blackouts is a great idea.
0: Yeah. It, that's The cable companies can do that too, but that's a different discussion. Uh, Boston Sports Commenter asks How do we feel about Mancada butting into a legitimate superstar in Ben regression?
1: I feel pretty bad about this. I,
0: mean, um, I, I still wouldn't redo it, but I don't feel good about it.
1: I mean, I'd much rather have Moncada than Benintendi at Sure, but in 2018?
0: Uh, no, Benintendi yeah, I mean, the Benintendi case. catch
1: <laughs> was great. He was very good um, in that
0: season, too. I mean, it wasn't just that catch.
1: Yeah, he was good in that season. Um, I believe 2017 was his 2020 season, right?
0: Uh, yeah, he... I think he was better in 2017, but he was good in 2018. I don't think they won the World Series without him. I think if you swap Mankata for Benintendi on that roster, they're not nearly as good.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, so probably keep it as it is. But no question, Moncada is for sure going forward. blossoming into a superstar, and Benintendi is you know really not looking good right now. Been, uh, uh, did you know that he's been better than Alex Verdugo this season at the
0: point?
1: I did. Barely, though. Yeah. Uh, I actually, I kind of hate that stat because. I don't think he's been better with, than. Verdugo. With my eyes, Verdugo has been a lot better. Well, I don't know, but a lot better. They both been bad. What I would say. Well, Verdugo at least plays good defense. I think Ben Tony plays very good defense. He plays average defense. I disagree. But we're gonna move on. Who's a better defender,
0: Verdugo? Yeah, doesn't mean anything. I mean, Jackie Bradley Jr. is a better defender than Verdugo. What does that say? I mean, that doesn't mean
1: because one guy's hmm. better. I just, I honestly, I think something's up with Ben confidence right now. And I don't know. His approach it, has been very good. He is not swinging at bad no, pitches. Uh, he, he's
0: not swinging. He's super passive. I believe he's swinging. He's swinging at
1: more pitches in the zone than uh, Verdugo is. I looked this up today. He is completely uh, out of his depth against breaking pitches, though. He's swinging right through everything.
0: I don't know. I'm not as down on 10 D as I think a lot of people, other people are. I think I
1: think he's a change of scenery guy. I hope not.
0: Uh, Keaton asks, one's got to go. Hot dog, beer, helmet nachos, or ice cream? Helmet nachos. So I'm assuming this is at the game. Yeah, so this is just like in a normal scenario, get hot dogs out of here. The only time I'll eat a hot dog is pretty much hot baseball um, I love a hot dog at a baseball game. Yeah, so I'm not getting that. Out. I guess I would go helmet nachos too.
1: Um, I'm eating, like, what am I doing with that helmet after I finish my nachos and I have a helmet full of cheese in my hands? I mean, you could put it down. You don't have to hold it the whole time. But Yeah, so if I put it down and let's just say the guy behind me kicks it and it goes in front of me. And I accidentally step in a helmet full of cheese. Like, come on. I
0: guess I'm more mar- worried about like. I get very messy when I eat nachos, so if I don't. I try not to eat messy food when I'm in public.
1: So I would prefer to eat nachos in the comfort of my own. home. And ice cream at the game is real good, especially if you're at a Sea Dogs game and you get one of those Sea Dog biscuits. Uh, give me that's the ticket. Give me a uh, chocolate vanilla
0: swirl. Soft serve. Any, mm. place, any place I can get my hands on one of those. It is like a once-every-other-year treat for me. I will just like happen upon a place. Like I went to Storyland a couple years ago with my nephew, and they had <laughs> uh, soft serve. It's so good. It is just the best you ride the Panda Flume? Uh, I don't think so. I'm not a big... I, my. He goes on. He went on everything with my dad. I kind of just walked in. Nice. Uh, let's see. Josh asks, is this luxury setting resetting debacle and its consequences, the most insulting bullshit management has ever tried to pull. Am I forgetting something more arrogant and dismissive of fans? I'm assuming he's talking about this management. Um,
1: definitely the worst. This. Yeah. Thanks, Henry. I, I'm just, I'm not here for these types of questions really. Um, so I will defer to you on, on all, uh, Dysfunction of the ownership. Like, I've been crystal clear about my stance on the Mookie thing. Like, it sucks, but there were a million things that happened that went wrong in this whole thing, and I think it's very hard to just blame one thing that went wrong.
0: Um, yeah, I don't really want to talk about this. Yeah, uh, it's just... Sam... It takes too long. Yeah, I don't, I, I've totally totally talked about this enough for one lifetime uh sam biggs <laughs> asks what reason does Renicky have to push this team uh everyone in the clubhouse knows he won't be the manager next year so i'm assuming that means like what motivation can he provide i guess
1: i i don't know like maybe a career of being uh someone who's involved in competitive sports and wants to not suck the entire year like anybody who's involved in competitive sports doesn't want to lose yeah this is a weird question not even that like i think you could even look at it more cynically
0: or more selfishly than that um these guys want to have a career and they want to have a legacy and they want to get paid and i mean they all have their own selfish reasons uh to like try and perform too so yeah i mean these are professional athletes they this idea that uh, baseball is a sport where you need this rah rah kind of manager. is just totally off base. It's not that this isn't football.
1: No, he needs somebody who is somebody part to... psychologist, part like I don't know. He's got to keep everybody coach. comfortable. And yeah. whether or not right
0: he does that, I have no idea. But uh, yeah, I don't think him not being the manager next year has too much of an effect. Especially, he won a World Series with a bunch of these guys too. There's respect there.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, Xander is the leader, and Xander and him have a good relationship. Yeah, Yeah, no question, Xander.
0: Xander and uh, JD would be the two leaders in clubhouse. Yeah. Uh, Clint Combs asks, would this season be any different if Sale and Erod were playing? Because not only has the pitching been terrible, but the offense has been way underperforming. Uh, I'll take that. I'm going to go with yes. (laughs) It would be different. (laughs) Because I don't know if you've noticed, but Matt Hall and uh, Ryan Weber... And uh Zach Godley are getting some starts for this team. So uh, a significant number of those innings would be going to guys the two best pitchers in the organization. So yeah, I think I think things would be a little different.
1: Yeah, in and, and like even diminished sale before he got his Tommy John surgery He would be the best pitcher um, on the team. Easily. Um even even him as diminished version of a player was more effective than erod like when you dig into advanced metrics and stuff like his whiff rates and his called strikes and you know just everything that he brings to the table is just super elite even even in a reduced role and also the mental boost that it gives a team when uh an ace is on the mound you know you have that guy out there it's just a whole different mentality you know these guys have to go out there every day and like you know Johnny Bullpen is is standing on the mound. Johnny Holstaff, I believe, is his name. Sure, (laughs) yes, Johnny Holstaff, yes. How how did I butcher his last name? Uh, But, yeah, it's it's just rough to get up for that, I think, every day, especially when Evaldi is your only real starter. Yeah, I mean, Bogart's talked
0: about that. He talked about how hard it is to kind of look up at the scoreboard and you're down by, like, five runs or eight runs after two innings every day. I mean, yeah, the offense—you have to be better, but at the same time, there's yeah, there's that mental part of it. So, um, no question, the season would be different. Whether or not they would be like this true contender, I think is a different question. But it would certainly be different than where they are right now.
1: Wouldn't be tied with the Royals. Yeah. Let's just say that. Exactly. Um, Adam Tasson? Tasson? I don't know. How to say your last name. I'm very sorry, Adam Tassoni. Tassoni?
0: Uh, when are they planning to call up Dahlbeck? Uh We already talked about that a little bit. He's up on the taxi squad right now in Tampa, and uh, we agreed probably roughly a week would be the time to make if Chavis doesn't turn around. I think that's when mm-hmm. we start to see uh, those kind of whispers. Uh, Paul Smith says, Thoughts on Yaz raking in 2020? Is there potential home for him in Boston in the future?
1: I don't know what his team control looks like. I assume that he's got a lot of team control. He just left. came up last he...
0: year,
1: right? And was he not up at all before last year? Like that was that his, was his, his debut. first. Okay. Do you know how old he is? Yes, twenty-eight.
0: He is about to turn thirty. In wow, about...
1: in twenty days he turns thirty. Wow, what Baltimore did to him is ridiculous. Yeah um so So, i mean that organization was a nightmare for a while though oh yeah for sure there's a reason they are where well i mean they're doing pretty
0: well this year but just generally yeah um
1: um he's been a great story though yeah
0: fantastic i don't think he's coming to boston i don't know why the giants would get rid of him and then by the time uh salary would become somewhat of a concern and if they weren't good they might look to deal him. we're talking about a 32 33 year old and i mean maybe get him for the story, but you're not really giving up a ton. I don't know. I don't see a reunion. I mean, anything's possible, but I don't really see a clear road to it. Yeah.
1: The, the only potential thing I could see is like if they decided to trade some pieces to the Giants that were younger that the Giants wanted, um, the Giants are very clearly in a rebuild, and as good a story as Yaz is at you know about to be 30, he's probably bad, not the part sides. of their next rebuild you know
0: I don't think the Red Sox are trading out the players at this point
1: no but like maybe maybe they do something like I don't know Chopping and I don't, I don't know man what's
0: I don't see I, th- I think we're just gonna have to enjoy uh, Mikey Stremsky, from Andover uh, my rival high school although he didn't go to Andover he went to St. John's but um, we're gonna have to enjoy him from afar
1: it's probably good that he's not in Boston. The pressure of being the second Yaz in Boston would probably be dumb.
0: Oh, yeah, it would be. I mean, if he. I don't know. I feel like. I mean, there would definitely be pressure, but I don't know that it would really get. I don't know that he would, like, get a ton of hate if he wasn't good. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm giving people too much credit.
1: Yeah, don't give people credit. That's probably good. That's a,
0: good that's a good way to live life. <laughs> uh, Jason with our last question uh, assuming things stay the same who is on the block for the trade deadline and on a scale of 1 to 10 how depressing is it that I'm legit asking that after 3 series
1: um, alright so on the block for this team this year has to be in my opinion any single one of the relievers are uh, fair game. Every single one of the starting pitchers is fair game. And everybody in the lineup that's not named Verdugo, Vasquez, Bogarts, Devers is fair game. That includes Benintendi as being fair game.
0: Um. Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on, I mean, I, yeah, is not untouchable. I don't know that Verdugo's untouchable either uh, for me. But I would need a ton, obviously.
1: Um, yeah, I'm just thinking like he has so much control left.
0: Yeah. Um, my, I guess the only three like real untouchables for me would be Vasquez, Bogarts, and Devers. Um, yeah, I guess you're right. And everybody in the bullpen, maybe not Darwin's and Hernandez. I guess I'd, like I'd like to keep him. more out of him before I put him on the block, but he's also not a guy that's like, no way am I trading him. Um, but I guess in terms of, I don't know, like, I mean, it's easy to say everybody, but I don't, I guess, like the real guys that I'm actually like actively shopping though would be JD Martinez, um, Jackie Bradley Jr., um, Brandon Workman, Workman. yeah. Pains me to say it, but Matt Barnes, if he turns things around and starts getting hot. For sure. um, Evaldi gets hot, maybe I look into that, although...
1: I I think Evaldi would be a smart trade. Really
0: hurt 2021. Yeah. And I don't like that. I don't want to be... I don't want to put myself in a position where I am in another rebuild year in 2020.
1: But look at it this way: Iavaldi has made over twenty-five starts. Yeah, twice in his for sure. Career. I mean, that, I would. You know? pro- I would have to suck it up and do it, but I wouldn't feel good about it. I guess. No. What
0: I'm but yeah, I mean, I think the big ones would be Martinez, Bradley, and Workman. Would probably be the big three.
1: Yeah. Agreed. In Barnes.
0: And Barnes, although not as, not as big of a deal because you could revisit that in the offseason. Right. Workman and uh, Bradley, are free agents, Martinez can opt out. And, uh, although we both, neither of us think he will. Um, it's still a possibility. Barnes is under control.
1: I'll give it a 5 out of 10 on the pressing scale.
0: A 5 out of 10? I'm giving it a 10. Are you kidding me? There's 16 teams making the playoffs and we're talking about selling and it's not a bad question. That sucks.
1: Uh... I don't know, man. Ten on my list is Mookie getting traded. Yeah, I guess ten might be a little strong. <laughs> it's all relative at this point. I had a bad my apartment all weekend. I
0: don't know anything. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> all right, I think that's going to do it for us in this one. Um, Red Sox have not started the series, but by the time you listen, they will have played the first game of Tampa Bay. Hopefully that's a win. Um, two against Tampa, three against the Blue Jays this week. Hopefully that goes well And uh, Jake and Keaton will be back with you On Monday, Tuesday uh, Shelly and Keaton will be back With you actually Tomorrow I believe, it's a stupid two game series yep. uh, So we'll be in your earballs Pretty much throughout the week Every week So uh, do that thing Do the subscribing, do the rating Do the reviewing, only if you're doing good reviews If you don't have anything nice to say Do not say it at all uh, follow us on Twitter. I run the Over the Monster account. Jake is at Dev Jake. Um, did I forget to say something? Check out OverTheMonster.com. I forgot that last week. Yeah, content. This time. Um, anything else? Did I do it? What are you writing these days, Matt? Uh, I wrote about Matt Barnes on Tuesday. Uh, Mike Walsh wrote about the offense and some of the trends to watch there. Um i am at the point where i am kind of deciding what i'm writing day of so i don't know what i'm writing <laughs> on wednesday we will figure it out on wednesday
1: all right well i i just finished my uh, my series so that is done and uh on to new new items so if you have some time to read through all those it'll probably take you a little while absolutely all right so i think that's it all right.